As a pastor, um, one of the things as our church also, we, we want to model generosity. That's one of our core values is generosity. We want to we want give some. So today I brought you guys a super, super special gift. Um, when I was 14 years old, uh, my youth pastor um, put me in a 15-passenger van with about 30 or 40 uh, middle school, high school students, and we drove all the way to Gettysburg College in Pennsylvania, and we went there to meet at a, at a, at a Christian camp, a summer camp. And so I was at summer camp, and um, I met a, a man there by the name of Ed Trinkle, and um, when I met that guy, I just it was an instant connection there. Um, when you meet him in just a second, we, we look a lot alike. And so, um, just a great, great guy. And so I graduated from high school. I went to Bible college where this guy, Ed, my mentor, was the chaplain there. And we spent two years together there. And then after that, two years together, he went to move to Jacksonville, Florida, became a pastor. The first guy that ever gave me a shot in ministry was, this, uh, was my mentor, Ed Trinkle. And so I got to move to Jacksonville, Florida, and I became a youth pastor. And then I was there for three and a half years, and now I moved here. And Ed's going to come and speak to us in just a moment. But Ed, 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 Ed loves people. And Ed has taught me so much of what I know when it comes about loving people. So we've known each other for almost 20 years, which putting out with me for 20 years is like a modern-day miracle. And so, <laughs> Lee shook his head yes. So if you guys would, could you guys stand to your feet and welcome one of our overseers, my friend and mentor, Pastor Ed Trinkle. Come on, put your hands together. Be excited. We look like twins, don't we? You can have a seat. Don't we? you see the resemblance a little bit? No, you don't. They don't see it. <laughs> I was going to stand in front of your pastor so you could see what an eclipse looked like. <laughs> Dark side of the moon. Anyway, good morning, church. Good to see you in the house today. My wife and I are so, so blessed and privileged to be able to be here uh, this morning with you at Hope Church. We have uh, just admired and loved your pastor and his wonderful wife for so many years, uh, years ago, and we were missionaries, uh, we took our children uh, to Orlando Baptist Church, and as soon as we pulled up, uh, Wesley's wife, Diana, and her younger sister came out to the car, uh, and as we opened up our van, everything kind of fell out, and it was a mess, and she said, we're going to take your kids to Disney World. So they took all four of our girls, three of our girls, not our baby at the time, took three of our girls uh, to uh to Disney World and just blessed us, but we've been dear friends with them. Uh, they were such great partners for us in ministry in Jacksonville, Florida, and to be a part of your ministry today is such a privilege uh, and an honor, and I, I know that uh, it would behoove me not to uh, acknowledge, uh, and Diane, you've heard me say this before, she is my, one of my favorite singers, my second favorite singer. My daughter does our worship at our church, so it's like one and one A because you trained her. Uh, she emulates you. But uh, can we do something this morning? If you love your pastor and his wife, would you just give them a big round of applause? I know that you're going to, that you know the treasure that you have in your pastor and his wife, and I pray that even as the Christmas season approaches, that, that you as a church family will come together and just bless them and, 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 and show them how much tangibly that you love them uh, to be a blessing to them. Uh, we have been uh, really privileged to be Wesley's friends. Wesley, I want to thank your church too. Uh, Wesley, Pastor Wesley came and spoke at one of the camps that we led this summer uh, up in Philadelphia. And there's a part of my budget that I forgot to put together for that. When you put together a budget... Uh, for a camp speaker in the summer, you know, you, you have a, an honorarium or a love offering of some kind, and then you have uh, the, the traveling expense, you know, but I forgot about the clothing expense that was necessary 
uh, to host Wesley because we were at the sports store, and I think he bought six baseball bat, a hat, seven T-shirts, a couple jerseys, and he just, when we walked up to the counter, the reason he tells you I'm like a father to him because when we go shopping together, he says he'll take the tab. That's why he says that uh, to the church this morning. But we love Wesley. Did probably our best week of camp we had this summer, and um, just so blessed to be with you today. If you have a Bible with you, I'm going to invite you to open up with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Uh, I love the, 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 the series that you're doing for Christmas, What Was Seen uh, at Bethlehem. And today we're going to talk about Joseph. And I, I, want to, I want to use some of my testimony this morning of what God did in my life uh, in, in some of the things that we learned from Joseph. Uh, I called my, my talk today The Good Father. And I, I'm very fortunate uh, to be, uh, this year I turned 50 years old. It's been kind of a year of old for me. Uh, I had a health scare earlier in the year. I turned 50 and I had our first grandchild all within about nine months. And uh, it's been kind of a crazy year, but I'm very fortunate at 50. My dad's still with us. My dad uh, just turned 70 this year also. And that was really neat because he probably shouldn't have lived past 60 years old because he's got a lot of uh, challenges in his life too. But I learned a lot from my dad. And you know, one of the things about parenting, how many parents are with us this morning? Raise your hand up in the air. One of the things about parenting that you understand, you learn to appreciate how good your parents were when you hit about 25, 30 years old or 35. This like light comes on and says, man, my parents weren't as crazy as I thought they were. You know how that kind of happens to you? And then another kind of growing up thing that happens if you have children is this, you really become motivated to start to live right when your kids start to grow up and act like you. Isn't that the truth? When they start repeating some of the things that you say and have some of the mannerisms uh, that, 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 that you may have, uh, my wife and I, Kim, my, my wife, Kim and I have been married for 31 years. Uh, I think I have a picture of my family. Um, those are my four girls. Uh, my oldest is 28, and our youngest is, is 19. Our, the daughter on the end there, Kelsey's the one that had our granddaughter, whose name is Logan Ella, and I think we have a picture of her to put up there too. Can't be a good grandparent without, without traveling with those pictures. But she's a, she is a cutie batootie, and uh, we, we just are, we've just been smitten by her and um, so blessed to have her as, as part of our life. But, you know, even as a grandfather now, I'm, my kids have really been a big part uh, I, I don't want to say spiritual development because that sounds upside down, but when I, I grew up in a home where my father owned a, a, I'm from Philadelphia, in West Philadelphia, born and raised, on a playground is where I spent most of my days, that's where I'm from. Uh, my dad had a hoagie shop, a delicatessen, and, uh, and I grew up there. I started working full-time when I was 12 years old, and I worked for him until I was 25. So, you know, if you want to have a body like Wesley... Go to CrossFit with him, which he'll talk about 10 times. I think he's a paid endorsement for the CrossFit place. If you want a body like mine, go to Wawa all the time, okay, and enjoy the cheese stick. I, I ask my wife, God is my witness. How many of you have been to Wawa before? Raise your hand. You like Wawa? I went to Wawa this morning. Now, we live in Dallas, Texas. I went to Wawa this morning and had an egg and cheese and cheesesteak sandwich for breakfast today. It was amazing. It was, oh, it was unbelievable. Anyway, so I grew up with my father in, in his hoagie shop, learned a lot of things, learned some things I probably shouldn't do. My dad wasn't a believer at the time, but I'll never forget, it was 3 in the morning on a Sunday morning. I wasn't going to go to church that day. I wasn't going to church at all, as a matter of fact. 
And this post office man named Chuck came into the store, and I am bawling my eyes out, not because I'm super sensitive and live with girls, which is true, not because I had some awful thing in my life that was going on. I was in the middle of cutting 150 pounds worth of onions for the day that day, and I'm cutting them on the slicer, and my face is just pouring with, 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 with tears, and Chuck came in the store, and he said, I know why you're so upset. I said, I'm cutting onions. I'm not upset, you know. But he said, Ed, I'm going to tell you something that's going to happen to you that happened to me. He said, I'm 50 years old. My wife doesn't live with me anymore because I'm divorced. My kids want nothing to say to me. And I live in a one-bedroom apartment, and I've never been so miserable or lonely in my life, and you are on the same path that I'm on right now. And I kind of got mad at him. Oh, who do you think you are? You know, how can you judge my life? You don't know me. You don't know me. And then I started to think about my life. What kind of father am I to my little tiny girl? My wife was pregnant at the time with our second baby, and I just kept thinking over and over in my mind, what are my kids going to think about me when they get my age? What are my kids going to be like? What kind of influence am I going to have in their lives. And I want to talk about a good father today in the Word of God. Of course, you know who it is. It's Jesus' earthly father, and his name was Joseph. And the angel that appeared uh, to Mary that, that, that Miss Diana was talking about earlier today is the same angel that came to Joseph and had some things to, to, to say to him that rocked his world. How many of you in the past, let's say, three to five years have had something happen in your life that has rocked your world? Raise your hand up in the air. A lot of things can rock your world, financially, physically, family stuff, work stuff. Maybe you've moved. A lot of things can happen to us. Well, on this day, we're going to read about something that absolutely rocked Joseph's world. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to start reading in verse number 18. God's Word says this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name of Jesus. So as we read the story about Joseph, absolutely had his world rocked, when an angel came to him and said, this girl that you're supposed to be married to you to, uh, soon, whom you haven't been with yet, and if you don't understand what been with means, ask Pastor Wes and Diana after church. They, they will explain that to you, okay? But literally, they hadn't had a physical relationship together. And the angel, the Lord, came down to Joseph and said, Joseph, your wife Mary, hey, bud, i got to tell you something, she's pregnant, now, she didn't do those things that we see on Facebook today, the big pregnancy announcements. 
You know, my daughter, when she was first pregnant, she sent me a picture of uh, the spaghetti sauce or spaghetti gravy, like you're supposed to call it, called Prego. And she sent me that in a text message, right? We see all these beautifully creative ways that moms and dads are announcing all of their birth announcements on Facebook, you know, but you see all that stuff take place. Now, this wouldn't happen. This is what happened to Joseph here. Can you imagine the shock and all that he had in his life when he found out his wife was expecting, and he knew that he had nothing to do with that, and the angel said, hey, listen, don't be afraid because this baby that your wife is going to, your future wife is going to have has been conceived of, it's been by a miracle. Because the Old Testament predicted, the Old Testament told us many, many times that, that, that she was going to bring forth the son and his name would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And, and, and Jesus would have to be born of a virgin because the Bible teaches us, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passes upon all men because all have sinned. We, the Savior of the world, could not be born of an earthly father because he would have been born with a sinful nature. He had to be born perfect, born of God. And when this, when this man, Joseph, heard these things about, about his wife being pregnant with this child, all these questions, I'm sure, came up in his mind. But you know what Joseph did, if you, as we're going to talk about here? Joseph did the right thing. He just did the right thing through the whole process. You see, because a good father loves his family more than he loves himself. You know, our, our, our Father in heaven has demonstrated to us, it says in Romans chapter 5, but God demonstrated to us, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated to us that he loved us by giving us what we needed, forgiveness. And Joseph was a good father like our Father in heaven is. Before they came together, she was pregnant. Before God spoke to Joseph about the pregnancy, before he understood what the, what the purpose of this pregnancy was, you know what he still did? He treated her with honor. He chose to love her, and he treated her with dignity and honor and love. He was a good father because he loved his future wife, and he loved who she was more than he cared about himself or his own reputation. And this is a pretty big deal culturally. You can read in the Old Testament the cultural ramifications of, of this young 14-year-old girl having a baby before she got married. If you read back in the book of Leviticus, Leviticus had some hardcore laws about people that sinned uh, in this way. If you, if you had a physical relationship with somebody you weren't married to or had a baby before that, that, that you were e even married, there were some harsh, harsh punishments that, that the Old Testament and the Jewish faith would teach their, their, their people to have because there was no form of government. There was no form, and then God put these laws in place to kind of give them some order. But man, when you look back on these laws, especially in our culture today, you say, man, God's kind of hardcore. But when you read the New Testament, you read all about God's love and his grace and the grace that he has for you and for me. But a good father loves his family more than himself. A good father accepts his responsibilities. In verse number 24, it tells us that when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do. He did what he was supposed to do. His responsibility, uh, his responsibility was laid out by the angel of the Lord. But if you read into that passage, his response was very, very interesting because of this. When the angel of the Lord came to him and said, listen, 
Your wife's going to have a baby. It's not by you. It's of the Holy Spirit. You're going to give him a name of Jesus. He's going to save people from their sins. Don't put her away. Don't be afraid. He gave all these instructions to Joseph, which absolutely, and we agreed with this earlier, rocked his world, right? What you don't see Joseph say in his response is, who are you and where did you come from, winged one? You know? I mean, his, you don't see a response of shock and awe, which leads us to believe there was a pre-existing relationship with God in Joseph's heart. He was a man of faith. He believed. This voice was familiar to him, and he submitted to, and he obeyed this voice. Why? He accepted his responsibilities because he was a good father. You know what else a good father does? A good father follows God's plans. Joseph did what the Lord commanded. He took Mary home, and he married her, gave, gave Mary, his wife, his last name, even before the baby was born. Uh, he waited until the baby was born, until he had a physical relationship with her. And boy, we could talk about that, but we'll do that at a marriage conference sometime. We don't want to go PG-13 on Sunday morning. But he really did. He honored the commands of God, did not be with her fully until after the baby was born. And the other thing he was commanded to do was to give that baby the name of Jesus. He followed God's plan. You know what I've learned in my life? When I follow God's plan, things work out a lot better for me and my family than I do when I try to follow Ed's plan. My plan doesn't always work out the way that I want it to. And I can come up with some good plans and some plans that aren't really even birthed out of fleshly desires, plans that aren't birthed out of things that are going to be uh, selfish. But you know what? When I'm quiet, when I do that thing that the Bible tells us in Psalm 41 where I'm to be still and know that he is God and I spend more time listening than I do talking and God reveals his plan to me and helps me to understand, Ed, this is what you're going to do. This is what I have for you. My ways are higher than your ways. My ways are even way past any kind of understanding that you can have. And when I submit and follow to him, you know what happens in my life? God's plans always work out. And I'm glad God's not like me. Because I'm the kind of person, I'm, I'm very competitive. Uh, I was talking to a brother this morning who's sitting in the back. He's from Philadelphia also. And uh, we uh, from Philadelphia understand you love your hometown, you keep your teams for life. But I'm going to tell you, being an Eagles, Sixers, Flyers, and Phillies fan, it's not a blessing, it's a burden. It is. It's a burden because every year there's challenges and heartbreaks. And, 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 and I, can, I can tell you specifically in my life the two times that the, that the Phillies won the World Series. And I can tell you everything about it. You say, man, you must be a really loyal fan. I am a loyal fan, but those two years are also accompanied with 40-some years of heartbreak year after year after year after year after year. And, and what, I've, what I've learned in my life is, is that the things that I want to do don't necessarily go the way that, that, that I expect them to. But when I kind of empty myself and do what God wants me to do, wow, things just work out so good. A good father, a good father follows God's plans. A good father also does this. A good father, a really good father. You see, when I, was, when I had that confrontation with God cutting onions that day about I don't know, it was about 30 years ago, almost 30 years ago. I just, that kept ringing in my mind what Chuck said to me. You're not being a good dad. You're not being a good dad. And I wasn't an awful dad. I was paying our bills. 
We were married. I love my wife. But I was drinking and I was smoking weed and I was not prioritizing my family is what was taking place in my life. And boy, it's really easy not to prioritize priorities, isn't it? You know, we get kind of caught up in some of the stuff the world wants us to do and even our own desires say, well, this feels good, so you should go ahead and do that. And this feels a lot better than that. Because you know what? Responsibility's hard sometimes. It's a lot easier to get your paycheck on a Friday night and go out and have fun than it is to put it in the bank and let it sit there for a couple days so you can pay some bills. Bills are not exciting. I told my church a couple weeks ago when the, when the, uh, the lottery was $420 million, I said, listen, you ought not to play the lottery. It's a waste of money. But if you do and you win and you bring your tithe to church the next day, you're forgiven. <laughs> Clean. You know, no arguments, no questions asked. You know, we want you to do that. Because money's such a hard thing for, for so many people, and it's, 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 it's a difficult uh, burden. And, and God used that in my life to help me to understand, in order for me to be a really good father, I guess I was an okay dad, in order for me to be a really good father, I had to know the greatest father. The one who let Mary carry that baby so that you and I can have our sins forgiven. The one that gave himself so that you and I can have a relationship with him. And here's the thing about knowing the good father. Knowing the good father, this is not one of those decisions where you have to scratch your head and say, well, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray about that. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some advice. Listen, God lo- here's the thing I love about God so much. God loves you so much that he let his son take your sin penalty and my sin penalty so that we can be restored to God and have a relationship with him. Let me tell you what that means for all of us in a practical world, okay? I love my sweet girls. They're, they're, they're some of the nicest, sweet kids you ever meet in your life. They're not really kids anymore, but I love them a lot. And it's been a privilege to be their dad. It has, and to, to, to spend my life with my sweet wife. And that little baby that we have now, this little granddaughter, has absolutely rocked my world and smitten me. I, you know what I do? I, I'm very guilty of this. I'm going to say this by confession this morning. Kelsey will send me pictures of about 10 to 15 seconds of a video of her making sounds, and I'll watch it like 100 times. That's what grandparents do. They just go, oh, isn't this all? And then, then they get really annoying and make you look at all their stuff all day long. You know, so that's, that's kind of funny. But i got to tell you something. I, I've met some people in here that I know that if I was living in this area or ministering to Wesley, I think we could be friends, and I think we could be good friends. But there's not one person, including Wesley or Diana, that I would let my kid die for. But God did that for you because he loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. That's a good father. That's the greatest father. So can I challenge you this morning with just a couple closing, uh, closing thoughts? The first thing is this. If you want to be a good father, guys, if you want to be a good mother, moms, if you want to be good to others, ask, this, ask yourself this question. Do I love others more than I love myself? The Bible, Jesus told a man one day what he needed to do to have eternal life. And Jesus said, love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then he said this, and love your neighbors as yourself. And I find that interesting because this is a time of year when people give. We do the same thing. 
We'll go into our closets. We'll find our old coats and some of our old clothes and take them to a clothing drive that we're doing or take them to uh, this uh, a friend of ours that, that's connected to Goodwill. We'll take a bunch of stuff there. Listen, when you love people as much as you love yourself, you're not giving people what you're not using anymore. If you love them as much as you love yourself, you give people the same standard of stuff that you like yourself. Think about that for a second. I love church coffee, but I really like Starbucks coffee. And if I was going to get my, if, I, if there was a Starbucks next door to your church coffee stand, I'd probably sneak over, get a Starbucks coffee, put it in one of your church cups so people wouldn't think I was being a bad guy. But I just like Starbucks coffee. I do. I like Starbucks coffee. I would prefer to have that. But if I was going to buy a cup of coffee for somebody else that I just was trying to bless a little bit, I'd get them the church coffee because it was cheaper. You, you, are you with me on that? I wouldn't spend $5 on a cup of coffee, but if I loved them as much as I love myself, as the Bible teaches, maybe I would. So do you love other people more than yourself? And follow this train of thought here. Here's the second thing. Am I fulfilling, as a good father, as a good mother, as a good person, am I fulfilling the obligations that I have in my life, my responsibilities in my life? I have responsibilities towards my wife. I have responsibility towards my children. I have responsibilities in my community. I have responsibilities with my friends. You have responsibilities too. If you call Hope Church your church, you have responsibilities to be part of the giving in this church to help sustain this church. Because listen, I know this about your pastor and I know this about this church. God didn't want your pastor to start Hope Church so that it would be here in this amazing facility for 30 years. I don't think he did. I think God has a plan for Hope Church. And part of the plan for Hope Church is not to replace the awesome people that you have now, but to build on the awesome people that you have now and reach more people with the gospel. And then you know what your church is responsible to do when you're really making an impact on your community the way that you know God's called you to? To duplicate yourself and start more churches and send missionaries out of this church so that your reach with the gospel goes all the way across the world. And I'm going to tell you what that takes. That takes people with commitment who accept their responsibility of giving. And listen, if this is your first time in this church, I know your pastor. They didn't want you to come here today to talk to you about giving unless you hit the Powerball last night. Then we'd like to take you out to lunch today and we'll have a little separate conversation. Just kidding. But as, as believers, we could kind of, you know, it's kind of funny when you talk about giving. If, if your church is too loud and there's a lot of people talking in your church, start talking about giving because it gets real, real quiet. You know what's wonderful about giving? God wants us to be like him. God is generous, and God wants us to be generous. And you know what happens in your life when you're generous? God blesses you. And I want to be blessed by God. How many of you want to be blessed by God? Say amen. How many of you want to be blessed by God? Say amen loud enough so people across the street can hear you. Amen. I want God to bless me. And I know in order for God to bless me, I've got to be generous. And I've got to care about other people. Am I fulfilling my obligations as a good father? As a good father, do I know God's plan for my life? To know, to follow, and to love him. And here's the last thing I'll share with you, and I'm done. You want to be a good father like Joseph? Boy, what Joseph sacrificed when, when Mary had the baby, he left his town, went to his hometown. The angel of the Lord spoke to him and said, hey, listen, there's going to be a an awful thing that's going to happen because of jealousy, because of rage and King Herod. Babies are going to be killed. I want you to take my son and take him down to Egypt. 
and he took him down to Egypt for a couple years. And the responsibility of raising Jesus, God's only begotten son, as a son on this earth had to be a daunting experience. But as much as Joseph was a good father, he knows the source of himself being a good father was because he knew the heavenly father. Do you know the good father today? You know what I love about having a relationship with God? God doesn't pre-require anything of you in order for you to be saved. He did all the work by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to come to this world and live a sinless life and die to pay for every wrong thing that I ever did and every wrong thing that you ever did so that you can have a relationship with God. That's how much he loves you. And he's done that for you because he wants you to spend forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever with him. So if you need to know Christ, if you need to know the good father today. You know what the Bible teaches us about that? That whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you need to know the good father today, I'm going to ask you in just a second to join me in a prayer. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to make you feel uncomfortable, but to join me in a prayer so that you can know the good father this morning. Can I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? Father in heaven, I just want to thank you for sending your son Jesus to come to this world and take every wrong thing that I've ever done and every wrong thing that every friend in this room has ever done and take it upon himself and sacrifice himself Because in your economics, Lord, you told us in the Old Testament that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And that sounds kind of crazy. Why would God require a blood sacrifice to pay for his sins? You know what? He's the creator and had every right to say what would it cost to forgive sins. That was his call. But we want to do things our way. We want to earn God's favor by doing good. We want to earn God's favor by being kind. And we want to get on the scale of good versus bad. And we kind of hope that at the end of our life, if our good stuff (coughs) outweighs our bad stuff, then we're going to be okay with God. But here's the thing. We can't be okay or reconciled to God apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus told us this in John chapter 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And none of us can come unto the Father except through him. So if you know today that you, that you need, you've never entered into a relationship with the good Father, our Father in heaven, then today what I want to ask you to do is pray with me. And in that prayer, you're going to do this. You're going to acknowledge God, who He is. You're going to ask Him to forgive you of all the sin that you've ever committed in your life and invite Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. That's what the prayer is composed of. And if you've never prayed before, we're like help in that prayer. I'm going to lead you in that prayer right now. And when you pray this prayer with me, it's not just you repeating words. This is you calling on the name of the Lord to be saved. If you believe, he'll save you today. So if you need Jesus in your life today, would you be like Joseph and like many in here already and call on the good Father to be your Savior? And pray this with me this morning. Just pray this. Say, dear God in heaven. Just say it quietly right where you're sitting. Dear God in heaven, I know that I am a sinner. Would you please forgive me 
of everything wrong I've ever done. That's so much to ask. And I can't remember it all, but would you forgive me? God, would you come into my heart and save me today? Thank you for Jesus who died so that I can be forgiven. And I thank you that Jesus is alive so now I can live forever. And then thank him personally. God, thank you for saving me today. I pray this in your name. Amen.